Warning, this podcast contains discussions of politics and religion. If that doesn't make you comfortable, then that's okay. Tune in next week. We'll be happy to have you back. But until then, I welcome back Ben Maddox for another scintillating conversation. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by for this second half of this conversation. The first time I've had a conversation that has stretched so far and gone so wide-ranging, I cut it into two episodes. So please tune into the last episode for the flowery version of this intro, but I just want to get right to it this time. I'm going to introduce my guest from Five Games for Doomsday YouTube channel and podcast, Mr. Ben Maddox. Welcome Hello. to the show. You know what I really love about you, Jason? Is you're a man who never forgets to hit that record button. <laughs> the first thing you do, you're just like, I'm gonna hit the record button. God damn it. Record. I love that. I love that about you. Uh, you, you you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I did that before. <laughs> I did forgot to press record. It was it was only about two minutes into the thing. So uh, this is recoverable, but thank you very much for uh, uh, for uh, showing the showing my whole you know what to the audience. Thank you so much, Ben. I did that. I did that too uh, when I interviewed Tom Vassell for my podcast. I oh. got ten minutes into the interview and went, "Oh my god, I have <laughs> ten minutes. We have to go back and do the first ten minutes." So um, this episode, we are going to have, as I said before, a much more wide-ranging discussion. So I hope that you enjoy it. Okay, so something came up near the end of uh, near the end of our little section there that I want to leap onto, and it's because of Mr. Ben Maddox, the pro at this, that like he's like, okay, we're doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> but it is um, so internet chatter, right? You have comment, you have uh, you have a lot of thoughts about it. You have been thinking about it. Uh, it's getting more prevalent as the lockdown and the quarantine goes on because yeah. it's becoming more and more apparent that this is our primary mode of social interaction we don't have sure. the other stuff so it's be so the promise and the pitfalls becoming more apparent i think yeah you know so like how we talk to each other on the internet go <laughs> so so i wrote a piece a few years ago about cycling and why cycling is wonderful and i opened the piece talking about why cars are awful and my theory is and i think this is really relevant to america um as soon as cars became objects of utility rather than objects of recreation, then we're screwed, right? Mm -hmm. So a car should just be for nice joints to lakes at the weekend, right? It shouldn't be something you go back and forth to work with. I live in a city with absolutely brilliant public transport and it serves my needs perfectly. I don't need a car, I don't own a car, I don't have a driving license. And so, and so cars became our central, our central, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Conduit to the world, right? Conveyance. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. we ended up with all of the problems of that, traffic jams, every street being clogged with them, air pollution, global warming, all of that sort of stuff, right? So I have a similar feeling about social media. Mm. And I, I sort of referred to it earlier. When social media is a sort of knockabout bit of fun for sending funny messages to your mates, then that's cool. 
when social media, and I think this kind of happened, especially with Twitter around the Arab Spring, mm-hmm. when a lot of people were organizing the demonstrations in Tahrir Square through mm-hmm. Twitter, we got this idea that Twitter was something that was serious, something that was important. Twitter was a place, was the marketplace of ideas. You can't have a marketplace of ideas where you're limited to 280 characters because you're not going to be able to extol your ideas. So what happens? Everything gets done in sound bites. Everything gets done in little bite-sized chunks that in no way give nuance whatsoever. And, and the logical consequence of that is just everyone starts shouting because they misinterpret what people have said. I think Twitter, I, yeah, as I say, so people are complaining at the moment. They're saying, oh, Facebook in Australia blocked all news media. Good. Don't go to Facebook for your news. Don't go to Facebook for your news. What are you doing? Don't go to Twitter for your news. Go to news organizations. QAnon exists because people go to bloody Twitter for their news. Don't go to Twitter for your news. That's the problem, as I see it. So my interest in this topic is because I've put to, I've put together a number of videos at this point that are long form and I get very nervous whenever I do like I'm very conscious of like you know how many people how many people are going to watch this how how long are people going to stick with it are people going to actually go through my argument because I work mm-hmm. very hard to I know I can I can sound a little bit rambly but like under that is like you know A B C D there's outlines and there's a, an argument and it's over the long form like you know my videos I couldn't believe that email you sent me by the way. Why oh was that? God, you spent so much time on this email. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's not only was it long. I mean, it was long, but it was also, it seemed to me that there was a lot of work that went into it. Crafted. A lot of thought, a lot of, you know, cohesive argumentation. I oh just, my God. It's like, wow. <laughs> oh my God, this guy's so much cleverer than me. How am I going to respond to this? <laughs> I did spend a long time and I spent a long yeah. time on videos and, sure. you know, I put them out long form and I, I get very nervous, right? Because I am very conscious that like i am jutting this into this funnel the the twitter made the facebook made funnel of like someone's going to take a piece of this yeah or someone's not or someone's going to like kind of okay i saw that for five minutes and now i get the point and respond to that and i, I and so a that that it kind of takes thought and chews it up and tries to kind of put it in a bite-sized piece and b that the just the algorithm favors the the loud and the, sure. the poignant, sure. like, you know, they, they fear that the picante, we say in Spanish, they say yeah. like, you know, the, the spice, yeah. you know, like, and, and you know, cause you can put a well-reasoned thing out and get one follow and like, it's like, what, what was the point of that? I read you know? one right-wing article from a right-wing American publication, not far right, a sort of conservative publication the sure. other day. One article, because I was just interested cause I, I consider myself a very sort of old fashioned lefty, right? And I read this one article to see what the other side is saying. I think it's, yeah, now, valuable. all I'm getting, all I'm getting is recommendations for sort of crazy far right <laughs> conservative news. <laughs> if someone were to look at my bloody feed at the moment, they go, "Oh my god, what is he?" With I this clicked guy? one know? thing. It's like someone posted a Ben Shapiro like little five minute thing, and there happened to be th- something I was interested in, and right. now I'm getting the whole thing. You know, I'm getting you know uh, Charlie Kirk, and I'm getting all these you know Laura Ingram, and all these like. These I mean, how people. are you going to adequately? encapsulate how much of a moron Ben Shapiro is if you don't at least watch one of his videos. <laughs> I used to watch it. I used to listen to his podcast semi-regularly just to kind of see where that was at. I'm I'm an old school lefty as well. So it's like just this is an interesting kind of mirror warp world. But anyway, sorry, we're gonna so 
this has happened a lot. If you continue the conversation, we just kind of go off on stuff. That's yeah. cool. Uh, okay. So I think like my thing is we have like social media has made us very unkind, you know, and that's what leaps yeah. out to me. Like I think in my, in, as I kind of get older and I clarify my voice and everything, I think the thing I'm, I'm focusing on the most is that we are startlingly, startlingly unkind to each other. Right. Really like we really are doing unkind. violence to ourselves we're doing violence to others by being reductive and by being picante like loud to for the sake of the grab and it just it it i'm trying <laughs> to find ways to communicate on the internet that kind of brings some of that back and i think that's reflected in the way i respond well, to comments of people and everything but it's really hard and I, I think i think we also suffer so 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 this rudeness thing it's because social media is so instantly accessible and people are just going Bleh. yep i mean even if you so i remember when emails first became a thing and people were like oh my god i'm just so reactive to emails and i just say what i want and send it if i was writing a letter i would be more thoughtful and now i mean think about being as reactive in an email as you would be in a tweet i mean it's unthinkable right the amount of thought that goes into an email compared to a tweet and the thing is i think we are none of us perfect. And when we read something we disagree with, we have that instinct that goes, Arr! you know, we have it. Mm -hmm. And it may last a second or it may last an hour, but we have that instinct. The problem is with Twitter, what that has done is incentivized us to take that initial instinct, which is almost always wrong, and spew it at the person who said something. And so, and what is that person going to do? What is their instant reaction going to be? Well, it's going to be, well, F you then, right. you know what I mean? And they're going to go, and then you're not going to be able to have a conversation. And also I think we suffer from what, what I'm constantly surprised at with Twitter is the pomposity, the level of pomposity, the implication that, and I know people don't know this. I, people know this in real life, but this implication that I am some paragon of virtue. And if you disagree with me, you are evil. You are a dragon. You don't deserve. This is why I'm not entirely behind all of the, you know, mutant block instinctive reaction on Twitter, though I don't think you should be having these conversations on Twitter anyway. Don't get your news from Twitter. But, you know, I think, you know, you know, there's this, this is, this is idea that, I am, I am so perfect and my pronouncements are so virtuous that if you disagree with me, well, then you must be morally flawed. And I think that's wrong. And I think we have seen a number of things happen in the board game arena. So a good example is one of the most absurd things. So I have an issue, and I, I'm sure you, you've thought about this. So I have an issue, especially I have an issue with Mombasa, but I kind of have an issue with Maracaibo as well, sure. about the whole, it's not using colonialism as, a, as a, a theme or a setting for games. I don't have an issue with that. I think that can be done in a responsible and interesting and thought-provoking manner. Mm -hmm. It is the let's make colonialism a economic engine and stick a paragraph in the rule book and that absolves us from actually confronting what this thing is, right? I have an issue with that. And, you know, two examples are Mombasa and Maracaibo, both by Alexander Pfister, right? And the most absurd thing that I ever saw was someone wrote on social media, oh, this proves Alexander Pfister is a white supremacist. And I'm like, are you off your head? You just came up with that idea. 
and then you post it. And the problem is there are people who are equally stupid <laughs> who will like that post. And so the, the net result is that guy who said Alexander Pfister is a white supremacist. And there's absolutely no, well, not my, my friend. There's no evidence that Alexander Pfister is a white supremacist. <laughs> then, then they walk away thinking, yeah, that was a profound statement. I've really, I've really got in. He said what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's just... They shouldn't be having these conversations on social media. They shouldn't be mediated by the sort of instant and word-poor limitations that social media gives us. We should be having them on these sort of platforms. I think we're lucky at the moment, because I think, broadly speaking, um, in Outlook, I think we're pretty similar. I think we are where our disagreements are fiddling around the edges i think i think it might be different if we talked about religion but nevertheless um you know <laughs> you'd be I think very fiddling, we might just tack that on at the end just to kind of get there because i'm very interested but anyway you know fiddling we're essentially fiddling around the edges it's it's points of minor disagreement mm -hmm. but i think i i do think and it, it's i keep saying this and i keep repeating it because i think it's it bears repeating is that within any time of history, sort of modern history, between 48 and 52% of the population lean towards the right, right? That is not insignificant, right? right? So we've got to work out how to speak to each other because one in two people are on a different political axis to us. Mm -hmm. And that's one in two. That's not one in 300 or one in 500. We can't avoid this. And so we need to talk work out a way to talk to each other and that is not because because actually i'm very much of the view that um, i think there are people who are not irredeemable i don't think anyone's irredeemable if you talk about people who deal with deprogramming people from far-right organizations and stuff people whose job that is they will constantly say you know people who hold far-right views are not irredeemable you can bring them back from that terrible place but there are people who are very difficult, who just, who just go into arguments with bad faith, but most people don't. And actually judging us on our political affiliation is, is so short-sighted because whether you, whether you, in America, you're Republican or Democrat, in Britain, whether you're conservative or labor, actually, what are your preoccupations? You want to feed your kids. You want to be satisfied in your job. You want to feel that life is giving you something. You want to play golf or tennis or play board games or whatever. And actually, most of the time, politics isn't at the forefront of your brain because it's going to work and it's speaking to your kids or it's hanging out with your mates. And we can sit around a table together. And it needn't devolve into name-calling because actually we're 360-degree people Twitter makes us a bumper sticker. And that's fatal to human interaction, right. no? Okay, Ben. I, I, so let's, let me respond to that because it's such an important point. I, and I, I hesitate to do this because I might get into a little bit of trouble. But what you said before about the reductiveness of social media, like turning the reality into a bumper, the biggest way in which I feel like we're struggling with this as Americans is this whole idea of, what do I do with somebody who is a friend who voted for Trump or somebody who is on the internet who voted for Trump? If you voted for Trump, you're a racist. That's a racist, you know, you voted for Trump, you must be a racist too. And it just feel like that calculation wasn't, it isn't possible 
without social media. Like, you know, like, you know, we talk about reducing Donald Trump to a bumper sticker. He's a racist. He's actually worse than that. But, right. you know, if you're a Trump voter, my default position is that you're better than that. You're bigger than that. You're 360 degrees more than that. But I feel like saying that is difficult because of the way social media has structured the discourse. And, and also, I mean, Trump is very problematic, right? I mean, it's clear. It's, I, was, I was one of those naive people who said, well, Trump's never going to win. And then when Trump actually won, I was one of those naive people who said, well, the, the, the norms and the ways of doing things are going to limit him. He's not going to be like he was on the campaign trail, you know. And I, I was one of those people who said, I don't think Trump's a racist. I just think he's an opportunist. I don't think he really cares. And more and more, you saw that all <laughs> of those things were sort of jettisoned away, that he clearly is a racist. He clearly, he, he clearly thinks things like this. And as a New Yorker, I knew this. It's like, not like this was not a secret. Sure. Like, I knew sure. this in like the, the 90s that right. this dude was doing that. Like he was denying, um, you know, he had houses. He's a housing magnate. And like he was denying blacks uh, entry into his houses since like the 80s. Right. Like they, they, these are document, documented. He's paid settlements on this stuff. This is not <laughs> a, a surprise here. Yeah. And, and so we had a similar reckoning in Britain. And of course, of course, the, the problem is America has to come and upstage us and everything, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but we had Brexit, right? Right. And I'm from a rural area of Britain. So I have a lot of friends who voted to leave the EU, right. which is something that I was, you know, and I had basically four years, because I live in Berlin, I had four years of not knowing what my legal status was. You know, I've just thankfully got that sorted out, but it was, you know, it was a real concern. And yet I had people who, who were friends who voted essentially for me to have this concern for four years. And, and, and what I've done with that um, is I've said to these friends of mine, if, if ever I write something anti-Brexit on social media, which I do occasionally, uh, I shouldn't completely contradict what I just said, but nevertheless, um, and they sort of pick me up on it I say, when I'm next in Britain, we'll go for a pint and we'll have a chat. Mm. Because I, I don't want to get... The, the thing is, what's really interesting is I've grown up with these people. I know these people. I know they're good parents. I know they're good people. I know that they're not racist, for instance. And I know that they're, you know, they're, they don't have the worst sort of excesses of what we assume. But I know that for whatever reason, they made this decision that I fundamentally disagree with. Mm. And so it's better that I just meet them in the pub over a pint and we can have a chat about it and we can have a row about it. And that's fine because you can't do it over social media. You just simply bloody can't, right? Because you'll end up just rowing with each other and then never speaking for 20 years. And where does that get you? And so like, I mean, and I was thinking about this because it, you know, like bringing it back to board gaming, right? right. So we've had a couple of big rows <laughs> i love that word right uh, uh, recently right and they're there i don't want to rehash everything i'm not going to go over it because it's kind of in the past as, I were, as we're recording this waiting for the next one right mm -hmm. but like what i saw was like you know 280 characters 280 characters and then the most you know kind of flamey thing and then an ad for like right. sensodyne right and then i was like 280 characters 280 characters ad for hyundai and it's like this is conversation now yeah. You know, like, and I feel like, how is it humanly possible that we can encompass what we're thinking? And, and, you know, like, I, I'm a firm believer, like, you know, you look at the evolution, like we have, we evolved with language, 
you know, and we connect with like, that's how we develop our brains. And like, if we, if our language has, has done this, then it's affecting us. And it's affecting how we affiliate, you know? And, 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 I, we all also all think of ourselves as kind of amateur psychologists. Now you're a professional one. So I assume you don't, you don't leap to the kind of ludicrous assumptions that a lot of people do, but you see a lot of people, you see a lot of people lending motivations to things based on statements that aren't necessarily true. I, I see often, oh, so someone, someone says something bloody stupid on social media, right? And, and, and we've had a couple of these recently. And then you see the aftershock of that is, oh, this, is, this person is obviously a terrible person. And it's like, well, you have no evidence of that. Mm-hmm. They said something stupid. And, and usually they follow that up with an apology. People are then predisposed to, to, again, judge whether they think that apology is true or not. But you have no evidence that that person's a terrible person because you've never met that person. You've never sat across a table from that person. You've never seen them interact with their family. You've never seen them interact with their friends. You don't know anything. All you know is they said something problematic on a social media platform. And it's fine if you don't know them to say, okay, cool. I don't want to know you based on that, right? right. That's fair. You're wrong to say they're a terrible person because you don't have the evidence. You simply don't have the evidence, right? And so like the way we talk about it, and I'm not, I'm not sure because like, I almost don't remember the before times. I feel like my brain is so full of <laughs> the, how we talk now. I like, don't even remember uh, that stuff. Um, but like we are so fast to ascribe like quality to a person. Absolutely. Like, we are like, you know, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, you you this, you this, and like you're you're this, you're this, you're this. And I just feel like so much of our internet conversation goes wrong when like at that point, like at that yes. abscription. And like that I almost feel like, and maybe I'm naive in this, like I don't even think that social media has to be that way. Like I have this feeling that like, you know, if we learn to talk, if we learn to say, okay, that problematic, that statement is problematic, but the person is still whatever, you know, separate the person from the thing. Like I almost have this utopian dream and you, I don't know if you're more, way more cynical about this of like, if we could just t- teach people how to talk, like you can't just talk like you're in your living room. You can't just like make the thing I, that I, we I can save social, this. I think social media is fundamentally bad at it. I, I think it's mm. fundamentally, so social media is great. So, so I'm, I'm going on the Dice Tower next week and I'm doing my top 10, my top 10 hybrid games. And, you know, this is just, this is secret. I have no bloody idea what a hybrid game is. <laughs> so I, I went out on YouTube, I went out on Twitter yesterday and said, what are people's favorite hybrid games, right? That's cool. Social media for that is great. You're not going to solve racial inequality in America on bloody Twitter, though. You know, all you're going to do is inflame people and make people make people say things they don't actually mean. And I don't. And I think it's it's, it's fundamentally dangerous. And I think people get a pulpit. And I, I the thing is, I see a lot of people who often I don't disagree with what they say. But I still think you're not helping any situation here. And it, I, I don't know if... So, so this is a really interesting thing. In the before times when we, there were conventions, you'd meet people. Right. And you'd have a chat. And then inevitably, you, you sort of exchanged it. You follow them on Twitter or you friend them on Facebook or whatever, right? And then, and then you realize 
this lovely person who I met, who's really great and is a great laugh and is loads of fun to be with. And whenever I speak to them face to face, they're wonderful. They're an absolute, they're absolutely objectionable on social media. There was such a discrepancy sometimes between the person themselves and yeah. how they present themselves, especially on Twitter. Because there's this, there's this imperative tone on Twitter. You should do this. This is this, you know, mm -hmm. because Twitter is very limited. And, and, and so I think you have this very optimistic idea that if we just learn to speak to each other, Twitter can become this place where we skip through the fields and tie buttercups in each other's hair. <laughs> Twitter's never exactly going to be what I think. Thank you very much for clarifying what I thought. <laughs> but Twitter's <laughs> never going to be that because it's completely set up incorrectly. I, I'm so this is great. You know, I think, as I said before, I think we're lucky that we by and large agree on most things. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think even if we didn't, the tone with which you've set up this situation is a moderating factor for both of us, right? Because we're mm -hmm. seeking to put our points across. We're not seeking to outscore the other person. Twitter is about outscoring people. It's about, it's about hearts. Those hearts are endorphin rushes in your brain. Every heart is a little rush. Mm -hmm. And so you will seek that little rush as much as possible. And that is dangerous in my view. So then, okay, I mean, there, there are more social media platforms than Twitter, right? You have your TikToks and your Instagrams and your Reddit. You know, so like, I don't know what your opinion is on Reddit. Like it's, it's been in the news recently. So like, you know, in, in board gaming, Reddit tends to be like, it's, it's mixed, right? Depending on the channel that you go in, but like r slash board games is actually kind of surprisingly, you know, you get into conversations, right? They sure. go off the rails, they go off the rails. Like, believe me, they do. But like, it's, it's moderated and, you know, pretty heavily, lots of, lots of moderators. And I think I, I get a, I get a, a surprising amount out of uh, Reddit. Uh, like Reddit conversations. And yeah. then they had the whole GameStop thing, right? Yeah. Uh, which was to me fabulous. <laughs> you had this this section, if you don't know, um, so, you know, Wall Street and you know, big business and all kind of thing. And they, there was a, uh, a Reddit thread called Wall Street Bets, which found, a, a, I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying, but like found a, a flaw in the system and they were able to kind of like use a flaw in the system to kind of game it, you know, and for a brief shining moment, you know, kind of like stuck it to the man. Well, screw over short sellers, which which I think is perfectly is perfectly, perfectly fine. Screw right. over the short sellers. Screw over the you know the people that are making like bets on you know things going badly, which is what a short seller is, and that's like very vultury. It's like they're they're rooting for things that are going badly. You shouldn't Street be trying and... to incentivize people losing their livelihoods. You just shouldn't right. be doing it. There's a, there's a, it's morally wrong. It's more <laughs> Wall Street bets. Okay, they knew what was going on, and not only the like was it like a kind of a Robin Hood deal. A lot of them were like kind of children of the 2008 financial crisis. So they knew right. how those bankers made money off of people's misery. Yeah. So there was a real edge of like F you. That's sure. also social media, right? Yes. That is well, also I mean like what we can do. So like, I think we were both on the side of like, okay, of the angels here, this is great. So like, is there a way that we can kind of like take what was good there, which Wall Street Bets is not necessarily that great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But, you know, kind of redeem some of that stuff. Reddit, so, I mean, the problem is, right, I hate computers and I'm terrible at computers, right? You are the <laughs> youngest old man that I've ever seen. <laughs> really? I, I'm awful. I'm, I, I trained to be a theater actor. I didn't train to be a computer person. And so, um, and so 
Reddit's really difficult to use, so I don't I don't interact mm. with it. Basically, okay. I only go on Reddit when someone says, "Oh, someone mentioned your podcast already." Mm. Yeah. I need to love yes <laughs> affirmation please <laughs> um and you know and of course of course nothing is uniformly negative and i i think i guess i'm sounding a bit like oh but before social media every got everyone got on perfectly well and it was a lovely which of course is obviously un- untrue too right i just you've said it um social media incentivizes hot takes and hot takes are usually awful um and i think i think america is is suffering america especially is suffering a reckoning at the moment and i have seen such bad faith on both sides now don't get me wrong here the republican party are an active negative in american society i think you can legitimately call for restraint but also say that one side is worse than the other there is there is this is asymmetric like there is is asymmetric badness and i'm again i'm not gonna say anything about my republican friends my you know the people who vote republican throughout their lives and they have like they they believe in the small government and all the other things but like the modern gop the elected officials there is a rot in there right and so so we can use religion here is a good example Okay, I am I am quite vociferously anti-religion. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and I could give you a number of reasons why I think your faith is, and this is not just attached to modern day scandals or anything. I think the core of Christianity is inherently mean. Okay, mm. we're not going to get into it, but you know, this is this is one view, and we could get it. But that doesn't mean I hate you. It doesn't okay. mean I hate you. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? I can have, you can have an issue with what someone believes and not hate them as a person, right? And as long as you can then discuss with them, I what I see, what I see as a justification, what I see as a justification for disavowing people of different political beliefs is there's this one phrase, they disagree with my core beliefs. And your core beliefs, in my view, shouldn't be political. Your core beliefs should be something other than that. They should be humane. Your core beliefs, your core drives, your core needs should be about serving your community, should be about helping your family, should be about making sure that the place in which you live is a comfortable place for absolutely everyone to be a part of. The fact that you prefer small government or the fact that you have certain views on certain things shouldn't be the core of who you are. It's only an aspect. There are things that are much more general, that are much more important and politics, we should be less political, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think I, um, I would, I think I agree with you, but I think I want to adjust that to, we should be less electoral. Right. And so, like, I think that the one of the things we talk about the reductive power of social media, we have reduced politics to the electoral stuff. Right. And like the like politics is going to the local school board meeting, you know, like uh, or or whatever. Politics can be like, you know, organize, you know, organizing your people at a food bank or church or wherever, wherever it is. And that's that's the work that I've done in my life. And it hasn't like I haven't like blown up with it. I (laughs) I can go into that. But like that's that's what I'm interested in when it comes to politics. So like there's a spectrum here. So like we talk about, you know, no politics in games. Right. 
like and the and the response for me is okay no politics and games because politics are in games whether i like it or not sure you know like the colonialism is politics and representation is politics to me so like what happens is because of social media has done such violence to that word politics and says politics equals flame politics equals electoral camp red red team blue team now we can't talk about anything and i feel like we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. sure i think if you believe in small government i don't think that makes you a bad person i just think that makes you wrong and being wrong is okay Right. And even holding on to incorrect beliefs are okay. Now, if those beliefs take you out into the world and make you objectively, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, damaging to those around you, then there's an issue. But, you know, a belief in small government, a belief in low taxation doesn't make you bad. It just makes you wrong, in my view. So, okay, so I think like, so just to bring it back to gaming, like the whole, the whole gaming and politics thing, I'm curious about what your take on that is because we're having a hard time discussing that. Like, I feel like we're getting so hung up on like meta stuff. Like right. we, don't, we don't even agree on terms and, you know, the, and the way we talk to each other is so broken. I almost don't feel like I ha- I'm able to have a discussion about like gaming and politics. So like, what would your initial thoughts about that be? Again, again, the thing is, it's it's organs like this that we need to discuss it, not over Twitter. Because especially, there's so much about human communication that is lost in Twitter. The inflection of your voice, the way your face moves, the way your hands move, the way your eyes look, that you just lose. And I am such a victim, I, I do it myself, of, of receiving a message. So someone will send me a, a signal message or whatever. And I'll read it and I'll instantly think, well, F you then. <laughs> and then five minutes later, I go, oh, no, I've completely misinterpreted that. Mm. I completely misinterpreted. I saw an inflection there that didn't exist. Twitter's awful for it. Twitter's terrible. And I think we suffer at the moment because. Or even like DMs, like even like even DMs. Yeah, like oh, absolutely. That can be better. Like I know Twitter said that was hot takes, but like even like a DM, like I'm a marriage therapist. And I just like, it's like, oh, I had an argument with my, with my spouse over a DM. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And if you if they'd have said it to you directly, you wouldn't have taken it the wrong way in any way, right? What I what I'm concerned and this is this is not this is not a political thing. I think this exists on on sort of every side of the divide. And I think I I've sort of mentioned it before. It's quasi religious in some ways in that if someone disagrees with you, they don't just disagree with you. They're not just wrong. They're bad. Mm. And I can't get a board. You distinguish that... wrong from bad. You did like that is sure. a hard distinction well, for you. Like, no, not a hard distinction. Sometimes if, if you're a white supremacist, I think you're wrong and bad. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's fair. But, but if you possible to be in a space of wrong, but not bad. Small government, believing in small government, believing in low taxation, for instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that makes you a bad person. I just think you're wrong. I think if you, I live in Europe and I see the benefits of high taxation and public spending, therefore 
as far as I'm concerned, the argument's already done. It's empirically proven in Germany and Austria and Sweden and Norway and mm-hmm. Finland and Denmark. You know, it's been proven. And you Texas, just... where we have low taxation. <laughs> right. I, the thing is, I don't think you're bad. I just think you're wrong. And and for sure, you're a product of your upbringing. And if you're surrounded by people who say, screw taxation, and especially America, a country founded on you know, an objection to taxation, then it makes sense. So I think you can be, you can absolutely be wrong and not bad. And I, I think, I, I think we don't- That's a draw- really tough nuanced distinction that'll never fly on social media, like never, ever wrong. Then, then and I come back to it, don't use social media for serious stuff. Don't do it because people lose their jobs. People lose their livelihoods. People lose their friends. They lose their homes. Don't use social media for it. It's massively irresponsible, hugely irresponsible. So devil's advocate, well, not devil's advocate, but like a, 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 a maybe good faith thing, right? Yeah. So- a lot of what happened in terms of the arguments, right, was like it started with someone saying a problematic thing. Sure. Right. So then someone puts a problematic thing into the board gaming space. So like it's a, a racist comment, a sexist comment, a misogynist comment, a, hom- yep. a homophobic comment or something like that. So that has that has leaked into the board gaming space. And we can say, oh, don't use social media. But like, well, that's where half of what exists. We have sure. we're in sure. coronavirus. There's no, we don't have a real choice about this stuff. This is the public square. For now, unfortunately. Right? So then, unfortunately, right? So like, so that so the comment comes in, and like, there's that reaction, right? There's that oh, this, 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 we don't blah 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 blah. We, and like, I think on some level, although that that side maybe the method you can question, but like the idea is like there's we're defending the space, right? We have to keep this space clear of certain ideas because those I, ideas I lead find, to. I find that nomenclature scary as hell. There's only it's 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 a little step from defending the space to policing the space, and I think that's very dangerous. Now, the the, the thing is, and I, I think it's I think it's it's. So I'm not a free speech, at all costs advocate, right? Yeah, neither am I. I think there are there there has always been limits to free speech, even in the more freer societies. But you know. What, what I see in social media is not... So, okay, we'll use the direct example because it's, I keep thinking about it and I'm trying to avoid it and I think, why not? So Daniel Tashini, the Daniel Tashini thing, right? Mm-hmm. Daniel Tashini said something problematic, right? Everyone called Daniel Tashini a racist. Mm. Well, no, everyone didn't. People right, right, yeah. There, there was a there was a how I was at outcry. Some people did make that description. A lot of people expressed hurt and you know disappointment. And some Fine. people said, "I'm not going to buy his games anymore." So it's a very complicated thing. It wasn't it wasn't just well, like well, of course. this wave of I called him a racist. But also, also, I think I think you know you're trying to be charitable. There were a lot of people who said some pretty bloody awful stuff. And again, I saw a lot of stuff saying he must be a terrible person. There's no evidence for that. And and I would suggest his reaction to it might even prove that he wasn't a terrible person. He came out and went, oh, my God, I'm so bloody sorry. What have I done? Yeah, yeah. Right? Now, should we take what he said and go, well, that's okay then because he apologized? No. Right. But we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater either on this. You know, mm-hmm. people say stupid stuff. I had a friend who said something stupid on Twitter. And he was characterized as an abuser. The word abuser was used. Oof. And 
what he said was in no way abuse. It just disagreed with a narrative that was going on at the moment, right? right? And so these ad hominem attacks come out. And, and this is the problem. And the people who accused him of being, the person who abused him of being, accused him of being an abuser, by the way, was someone who knew him personally, who'd sat down and had beers with him. You're big on beers. <laughs> this is how we communicate. See, I don't have emotions because I was born in the 70s and a male. <laughs> so I drink. This is how I Got do. It. And, and so this person who went on Twitter and said, this person is an abuser, didn't DM him. They knew each other personally. Didn't DM him and say, hey, man, are you OK? Because what you said on Twitter was crazy. Mm. Are you all right? You know, because, you know, I would hope that if I went on Twitter and, and went on a, you know, expletive fueled racist rant, the people who don't know me are more than welcome to say, well, screw him then. I think that's fair enough. But I would hope that people who know me would at least, before they jump to the conclusion that I was an abuser, send me a DM and say, mate, are you all right? You sound like you're going through something, mm -hmm. right? And this is, and so I, I'm, I'm concerned at the leap to the most sensationalist thing on Twitter. And I'm it, wondering- it's, it's such a big concern. And I'm wondering if that's inevitable. I'm wondering if, you know, so like I, I have a, like, I, I, you know, my response was, you know, watch it all happen, talk to people on DMs and then make a YouTube video about, you know, when something can truly happen, I feel like I had something to say, like a genuine yeah. thing. And like judging by the response, I think like people will receive that something to say. And I feel like, you know, not to say, I'm, I'm gonna put myself, it's like, oh, this, everybody do it like me. But like, I feel like there are paths to respond to that stuff a little bit better, not defending how, like, you know, the, the edges of what happened but like is this salvageable you know is there a way to like you know like you know okay encourage people to use dms as opposed to kind of like do that encourage people to be very careful about personal ascriptions you know like let's not like you can say what you got to say but like make it very clear that you're not talking about the person talking about the thing is there a way to kind of like educate people and lift that up or are we just gonna do this all the time well, I think Twitter is at its conception, and I've said this loads of times during this conversation. Right. And I, I guess social media in general. So, like, I know you're, you're very focused on Twitter, right? Because <laughs> oh, Twitter's, Twitter's the worst of it, right? Twitter's the place where mm. the hottest of hot takes are, right? And I think, I think Twitter, is, Twitter is destructive. And the thing is, it's not, it's not that people are wrong. It's just sometimes. It's just that people are... It's, it's difficult to say. It's not that people are wrong. It's just that they're too reactive or they, they come to conclusions that I that that might be relevant conclusions, but I don't think are helpful conclusions. You know? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of ban there's there's a lot of terms banded around that don't help. And I, I often think when I see people's reactions to stuff, and this is this is not a political thing. Um, I know more about people on the left because I'm from the left so i tend to congregate around people who broadly speaking agree with me right it's just a natural thing but you know i wonder what is your goal here are you really trying to foster good or are you just trying to get likes and they I might think not be... maybe some people are like are, are going to quote unquote defend the space yeah and, and I, that's I... where you know as you pointed out and i think that's very correct defending and policing a space is a very very blurry line between those two things Sure. And I, I, the thing is, I don't think I, Twitter is not a space that I think is worth defending, quite frankly. 
uh, you know, I, I often see people going, I get such abuse on Twitter. And my instant reaction is, we'll get off. what the bloody hell are you doing on Twitter? <laughs> you know what I mean, I don't get it. I don't get, you know, smacking yourself in the head with a hammer hurts. Stop smacking yourself in the head with a hammer. <laughs> now, now, there may be someone who has totally justifiable reasons and say, on this, you're wrong to me. And this is why. And that's also fine. I worry that people will just go, oh, well, you disagree with me, then you're bad. You're a bad person. And I think, I think, that's, I think that's an issue. You know, so then, I think Twitter is terrible for purpose. <laughs> so I, okay, so uh, I we'll, we can move on from that. I think we've said what we have to say about like you know, public conversations and everything. But before I let you go, because yeah. I am curious, because this is actually kind of very important to me, um, and I'm revealing that a little bit more with my videos, right? If you're being a little bit more of a public person, I'm going to rip the bandaid off, and I would like to hear your views on religion and what that is. So if, so as a warning to the people, if you don't want to watch that, if you, if you think like, oh no, th that was bad enough, <laughs> uh, you know, if there's a limit to like, you know, th you know, this discussion, like this will not, can talk about board games. This is just like two people talking, right? So if you don't want to do that warning, you're good, right? Thank, I'll see you next week, take care. But I am curious because yes. you have such, you seem like you have such like thoughts about this and they're very well kind of thought out. So I, I, I really like to kind of- thought out, but there are, thought, there are thoughts about it. Um, so, <laughs> so I'd like um, to hear. So I, I'm gonna start with what I said before. I think it is possible to hate the idea and not the person. Absolutely. Right? Um, specifically Catholicism, I think is one of the greatest generators of evil on the planet. It is an organization that has protected, serially protected for at least 100 years, child abuse. It, Thousands. You, you're, you're going back the whole way. Right. Um, and I, I think that is, I, I think, I think that, and I think the, the grip that militant Christianity has on America is absolutely insane. And this is, this is both your crazy sort of fundamentalist Mormons who marry 12-year-olds, and this is, this is people who are trying to get praying in school and all of this sort of stuff. Um, but that's contemporary problems. My fundamental problem, and I, I'm going to talk about Christianity here because it's the one I was brought up in. I was sort of indoctrinated in, into Christianity because in England, most primary schools are Church of England schools. Mm -hmm. So you are fed the idea that Christianity is true as a child, right? I think that is absolutely, I think that is absolutely repugnant in my view. Um, I think coming to religion is fine. But having people whose job it is to impart knowledge to children and say this is true, I think is deeply dangerous. But it comes to my fundamental issue with Christianity is that the core of Christianity is mean. In that people talk about Christianity being love, but it's not. If you don't believe in God, you go to hell for eternity. And people say, well, that's not Christianity. It absolutely is. In the Gospel of Mark, it says so explicitly. And Rush Limbaugh is a good example, right? Rush Limbaugh has just died. And I've seen a lot of posts going, I hope Rush is rotting yeah, in hell right yes. now, right? I think Rush Limbaugh was objectionable. And I think he has caused a lot of damage. 
But there is no, no, nothing, nothing he could have done that warrants the punishment of eternity in agony. Eternity in agony. There's nothing <laughs> that Rush Limbaugh... Capital E. <laughs> right. There's nothing that Rush Limbaugh could have done that would warrant that punishment. That is the core of Christianity. That is evil, in my view. It's not the practical application of Christianity, mostly, of course. But that's why I have an issue with Christianity. I think at its core, it's mean. Okay. Okay. I mean, I used to teach religion, right? And right. I, um, like, not, I'm not only, I'm a, like a therapist and I, and I trained in stuff. I, that was this, I, I taught high school religion and I had a lot of kids who, you know, felt the same way. Like they came through their middle schooling and their high schooling and I'm getting them at just the age, right? Yeah. Just the age where they're like, their brains are starting to like kind of, kind of question stuff. I remember uh, I, I, I said in one of my first classes with a freshman class, you know, the Genesis is a myth. And it was like brain melt. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that human beings are religious. Sure. Period, point blank, end of stop. I think that we all sure. have religion. And I think that like I, I agree with everything. Like I'm, it's it's worse than you say, right? In terms of like the power structures protecting terrible people and you know creating hierarchy and uh, like it's actually like it's it's there's some nasty stuff in there. I, I look that stuff straight in the eye when I teach, right? And that's kind of where I thought of it. Like I, I I give that to the kids, and it's like if you make your decision, like you know I've made a decision for you to be a Catholic. You make your decision, people. Here's all the facts, and it's raw and it's nasty. There's Salem witch trials and there's all all this other stuff, all born of Christianity. Okay. That is it possible to not truly be religious? I don't think so. No, I, I, I don't think so. We're a pattern recognizing species, so that's that's inherent right. within us, and especially and especially we are cognizant of our own death, and that's where religion comes from, though. Right at, at all times, our mortality is is at front of mind all the time. Yeah. We have threat. You know, like our brains respond to threat, and therefore we're we're doing knowing about that. So we're so we're seeking that. So we're seeking something. We're seeking stability, stability in ritual, stability in thought, stability in ethic. Like we're clinging to that, right? So where you don't have like uh, an organized religion, Christianity or whatever it is, you know, uh, Islam or Buddhism, whatever, mm -hmm. something else is going to fill the gap. Sure. Right. So, and I think that's and that's actually kind of why I, re, I, I respect the atheists a little bit more than I do the agnostics, because like an atheist will say this are like atheists tend to be like, OK, these are my beliefs. Right. And I, I acknowledge this, that the third thing We're all agnostic right. to a degree, aren't we? Because the rational position is to say that there is a possibility for the existence of God. I just sure. very, very much doubt that it's the case. So, yeah, so we have to really clarify terms, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's really difficult yeah. because I always, whenever I talk about this, I always talk about the moral aspects. But actually, the reason I'm not a Christian or, or a Muslim or a Hindu or, right. or even a Buddhist that claims no God, but actually, you know, um, the reason I'm not is because I don't think it's true. That, that's the fundamental thing. I don't think God exists. And, and that's why I'm not a Christian. All the other stuff I think is relevant and valuable because I think religion has had a deleterious, and especially Abrahamic religion, especially Christianity, has had a deleterious effect on society. There is, for me, there, for me, correlation doesn't always imply causation, but the fact that we descend into the dark ages at around about the same time Constantine adapts Christianity, I think is a coincidence. But the fundamental reason I don't, I'm not a Christian is because I don't think it's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you, 
Do you think it's true? I think that God exists. And there are things that flow from the God, God existing, right? And um, so, I mean, I actually want to get, get to that point of like, okay, religion, right? So like, I, I think that our, our minds abhor a vacuum, right? And so where we reject like the actual explicit Abrahamic religion or whatever religion it is, I think that things kind of fall into the gaps. Sure. When we do basically homo religious stuff, even if we're not religious at all. Absolutely. And the fact that we're kind of in this denial space of like, I'm not religious. There's a lot of like, you know, it's, it's increasing, like, you know, the nuns, right? They call it the nuns. People say, I have no religion. And I say BS to that because, you know, what will fill in the gap is what we've been talking about. But, when- but there's a fundamental difference though, isn't there? You see, because it's fine to believe what you want. Just don't tell women they can't have abortions. Don't tell women they have to have their vaginas chopped off. Don't tell people who they can marry. Don't tell me when I can go bloody shopping. Do not accuse me of being a heretic. Do not burn people at the bloody stake because they don't agree with you. Believe what you want, right? I happen to believe in sort of center-left social democracy. I think there's a lot of evidence that it works, but it might be absolute (laughs) guff, right? Um, But at the same time, you know, believe it just i i don't tell other people to that's that's and and again inherently in christianity inherently in christianity is proselytization you're not a good christian if you don't proselytize spread the good word that is the example that you should follow and come on now you know Mm -hmm. i i don't agree with it i think the, the the bible is a poor book of philosophy so then okay you believe in center left social democracy right and i think in america we believe in um, whatever the Amer- whatever the american version of that is right and so like like i think of so i think of like so i look at we, we just we criticize donald trump right and so in every other job that donald trump could ever do that where he has like responsibilities he would have been fired like easy it's like fight you're sure. fired you, you can't do this well you but, can't be you know, fired if you're the boss but yeah sure but if you can't fight if you're the boss, but like if, cause you know, we try to think of, you know, the whole point of, you know, center left democracy things like you're not the boss. Like no one is the boss. The people are the boss. Right. And in any other case, you know, if you do as terrible a job and you're a terrible person as that person, it would have been fired. But in our system, like he stayed and we has a whole group of people that helped him stay. And so like, how am I going to explain that? That is not rational to me. Like that no. is religion. You know, like yeah, that so, is, so, it acts the same as a religion. So sure, like, I think absolutely. there's, there's I, right. I think it's super dangerous that politics is, is adopting the same modes that religion has. And so here's um, my thesis. As we have receded organized religion, civil religion crowds in, political religion crowds fine. in. I don't think that there is ever a space where we can truly be kind of free of the benefits and drawbacks sure. of any kind of religious stuff. So you know like, what's better? I, you know what's better than you know what's worse than having Trump as president is a pope. You know why? And this has been demonstrated. You can vote Trump out. You can't vote the pope out. Right. And this 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 current pope who who still is endorsing child molestation and all of that sort of stuff and and not legalizing legalizing contraception within the Catholic faith in a world riven with sexually transmitted diseases even this relatively liberal Pope, and I think that's a contradiction in terms to some degree, is fine. What if the next guy is a insane hardliner? What if the next guy says, go and shoot 
the Muslims down the street. You can't vote him out because he has the mandate of God and there's no evidence for God. And, and, and I think that's hugely problematic. It's so societally fracturing. It's just one more thing. And sure, we are all religious. Um, the, the big difference is though, if it, if it becomes, so social democracy in the way that we see it, it's really only a kind of 50 year experiment thus far, right? It's only kind of been around since the end of the Second World War. Mm -hmm. I can, you can tell how old I am because I keep saying 50 years for the Second World War. It's 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was on a, a Twitter thread of, and someone was saying like back in the late 90s, speaking of it as like a, like a, a historical time period, I'm like, I remember the late 90s. <laughs> that's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> oh, your fashion's so 90s. And it's like, no, that's a real time. <laughs> It's not like the 60s. I know, right? The 60s was make-believe. The 90s was real. I was there. I bought Nirvana t-shirts. But, you know, so the anyway. point is, but if, it, but if it proves that social democracy is absolutely guff and it doesn't work, the difference is, then I change my mind based on the evidence. Doesn't happen with religion. I mean, fundamentally, this is why my political beliefs aren't religious, because they have the possibility to change, whereas religion don't. Here's, the, here's the deal, take the deal, or go. Or in less enlightened times, or in less enlightened parts of the world, don't take the deal and be killed for it, right? I just don't think that political space without religion is better. Like that's so that's my sure. my my, my half thing. Like I just don't think like you know like if I kind of shed this Christian and I've tried, <laughs> I have I have a long journey you know all kind of stuff with, with my religion. Like I actually like my personal journey was I tried I, I was born Catholic. It was like you know whatever just you get you, you learn it because you're you're stuck there. And then yeah. I went on a very very long journey of like um, discovering a lot of different things, including no things, and then came back to Christianity because I just kind of realized that like no matter where I go there's there's some like ugliness is happening right you know like did america i don't think know... that's a reason to not believe in religion though is it i i, I mean that's that's the, the moral aspects right. are the low-hanging fruit it's the easy stuff you can say i don't think religion is good because of x y and z right and i mm -hmm. think i think especially abrahamic faiths all of them fall into some pretty egregious stuff um right. i i have had this conversation with isaac shalev who's uh who's an Orthodox Jew, and we've mm -hmm. had the same conversations about this, and he knows where I stand. Yeah. Um, but that's not the reason to not believe. Um, because the easy, the easy out of that argument is, well, that's not God's plan. That's just us being fallible humans, right? So it's not, the, the, the moral stuff is, in a sense, what you say when you're trying to demonstrate why religion is not good. The, the core of religion, though, is if it's true or not. Right, okay. And I've so, never seen right. any evidence to suggest that it is. Right, okay. And I so, certainly can't rely on this substandard <laughs> thing that's lying in my cranium, right? Right, two different levels. So like we're talking about religion as a sociological reality and we're talking about religion as a philosophical thing. You right. know, like, okay, whether God is there or not. So like, okay, as a sociologist, so like people will like, Talk, look at the sociology of it. Christianity said all these things. It's, you know, uh, resulted in this, that, and third thing. The Pope, this, that, and third thing. So, like, my position on that one is I don't know that other things are better because I, I, I mean, think I, that people can I look think it's at been demonstrated things. they are, but we could go around. We could, we'll go we around could the go things, around like, all day on that. So, yes. like, so, I think that, so we can argue back and forth, but I'm glad we've clarified our position on that. So then, now there's the philosophical piece. Like, is Sorry, God... on this, though, just, just quickly, though, you wouldn't endorse a theocracy, though, would you? I'd have to see it. Well, we've seen loads of them, haven't we? 
I mean, I I've seen loads of you know supposedly center left political democracy <laughs> too. I mean, know? I mean, but surely you you draw a qualitative a qualitative distinction between Saudi Arabia and Sweden, for instance. Okay. I mean, that might be unfair, but I I think it's fair to say that right. a a secular democracy is better than a theocracy, no? Okay, well, we're talking about atheism, and atheism can generate all sorts of things. Like China is also atheist. Um, but that's not the question I asked. Okay, I think there are defun- I think there are. I think there are qualitative. I think there are qualitative distinctions to be drawn between political systems too. Right. I think authoritarian communism is demonstrably worse than centre-left social democracy, centre-right conservatism. Mm-hmm. I think. I think you could say centre-right conservatism. The Conservative Party are not as bad as the Chinese Communist Party. I think you can say that. I think that's fine. But but I, I think the the kind of theocracy that you see in Saudi Arabia is demonstrably worse than what you see in Sweden. And I think I think that my fundamental issue with a theocracy is that the people who are in charge of that theocracy are essentially uh, they don't have essentially any what's the word I'm looking for accountability because right. they're only accountable to the book and that's got to be worse qualitatively mm-hmm. worse no I guess like okay so I that that gets mentioned a lot like you know Sweden and, 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 and the, the Netherlands countries and I just feel like I wonder how like how that translates to a more less homogenous society right so if you have democracy and, you, and like we're trying it now, like we're trying to a democracy in a multicultural society, right? Yeah. And now you are looking at people who are, you know, outgroups and who are vocal about more vocal than ever about being outgroups. And what happens, right? What, you know, what is happening at our borders? What is happening in our, 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 our terrible neighborhoods? And so I just feel like, you know, I, I don't, Again, I want to be, I guess like a little bit of a hardcore realist about this stuff. Like, you know, like there's bad everywhere, so to speak. So like, sure. I, I don't know, like, you know, and I think like from our perspective, like we can look at, you know, what's happening in Saudi Arabia and MBS and all these people and everything. It's like, you know, how are we going to get ever get rid of MBS? Well, I mean, like bad crap is persisting in, in a, a democracy too. Like we can vote the individuals out, but we can't vote the system out. Yeah, but I, I, I think, I think that, I did, the problem with that is it's like saying the the thing is relativism sometimes is just not true. I think you can adequately say that situations in certain places are worse than others, and I see no evidence to suggest I see no evidence to suggest a theocracy's a theocracy's goal is ever equality. It isn't. It can't be by its very nature. Well, it can the, never the be goal equality. Is peace. Like the, the because, theocracy goal is peace. And theocracy's had, goal like, is peace. No, it isn't. The, the theocracy's if, if it's an Abrahamic, if it's an Abrahamic faith, its goal is to denude society of anyone who doesn't subscribe to that religious belief. Okay. Because a theocracy inherently only represents one type of religious belief because it's a theocracy. Okay. And that so can't can... <laughs> that can't be fair, no? So you can't so so say you have a so we we've we saw it in Iraq, right? So you have ostensibly, you can argue whether it's a theocracy. I mean, actually, it's probably not. But but ostensibly, they call themselves a theocracy. You have a Sunni minority ruling the roost over a Shia majority mm-hmm. and treating them as second-class citizens, 
because they don't subscribe. Well, that's even within the same bloody religion. They don't subscribe to that particular interpretation of that faith. And if you're a theocracy that extols a particular point of view, then you can only represent those people who share that point of view. That's That's got to be a demonstrably worse form of government, no? <laughs> I, I mean, having actually traveled to some of these countries and speaking with the people, they don't encounter it like you do. Sure. Like that's, that and I, I, that's, that's what I can kind of say to that. Like I have been to some of these quote unquote theocratic countries. I've been to Nepal. I've been to, you know, just the theocratic country. There's uh, all these different places and we can kind of like take the angle of, well, let's look at the people that are being hurt and let's look at the people that are, you know, like all the human rights abuses and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, that's demonstrably bad and everything. And then you go and you talk to people in these places and they just don't feel that way. Well, the point is everyone benefits. There's always people who benefit from a system. Right. That, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you go to China, you, I, I think you go to China and, and people may genuinely not just for fear of being, for, for fear of being, you know, imprisoned, might say, no, I think the system is wonderful. Go and speak to the Uyghurs in China, they won't agree with you. I think, you know, try being a Christian in, try being a Christian in Egypt right now. Try being a Coptic Christian in Egypt right now. They're not going to agree with you. And the problem actually, is, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Like, so how did I come back to Catholicism? I came back to Catholicism in China. Like, there is a like you read the the, the notes of like what Christianity is in China. It's illegal. There's people running around. Blah, blah, blah. And then like you know, so I'm like, so when I went and I was on, I was I did a thesis on missions, hmm. right? A different country. So like I went to different countries, visited their missions, researched the history. You know, the thesis. Boom, done. So then. When I went to China and like I expected a certain thing, I expected like you know repression and all sort of stuff and all all, all these things. Um, and my wife just texted me, so I'm gonna have to wrap up a little <laughs> bit soon. Yeah, um, me too. Okay, so then um, so well, two two kind of last points. So then first of all, I so I went to China and like you know Easter Mass 2000, it was packed with people and it was really beautiful. The Pope, the the the, the priest is there blessing Zhang Zemin, who was the president at the time, and Pope John Paul II, who was the Pope at the time. And I'm like, wow. That is not what I expected. There is more here than just meets the eye. Sure. So like, I'm just going to have an open mind, right? So then that's the kind of, so we, we can kind of argue back and forth about the sociological stuff. And I'm sure we're, we're happy to do that. I want to hit the philosophical piece. I want to hit no, the- No, can I please just pick you up okay, my okay. term here? Because I don't think it's philosophical. What do you mean? I think it's scientific. I think the, the existence of God or not is, has to be, an empirically provable point. Otherwise, there's no issue. It's not philosophical. Philosophical stuff is not grounded in empirically provable phenomena. The existence of God is because religion makes explicitly empirical claims. The Bible makes explicitly empirical claims. Jesus was a real person. About the nature like of Like a real person. He was really risen and all these things. Yeah, the, the, the people can come back from the dead. So I, the existence of God is not philosophical. Because saying it's philosophical allows you then to get out of it and saying, no, actually, it's just something I believe. But it's not. It's empirical. It's scientific, fundamentally. Carry on. Sorry for the interruption. <laughs> okay, so how about experiential? Like the existence of God is something that one can experience. Fine. Doesn't make it true, though. Why not? Why, why am, I, am I falling prey to a scientism that says that only observable realities are real? Yeah, because that's that's what in, that's the the bounds in which we live. That's in nature's laws. The fact is that if you have a vision, there are 
a thousand reasons why you might have had that vision. It's not God necessarily. So, so, so don't get me wrong here. I am someone who will entertain the existence of God. I think it's highly, highly, highly unlikely, but especially I'm, I'm almost 99% sure that the Christian God doesn't exist, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, right. willing to entertain the existence of a God, though I think it's highly unlikely. Your visions don't count one iota for it, as far as I'm concerned. It, if God exists, if God actually exists, then he's measurable. It's measurable. They're measurable. She's measurable. Whatever it is. It's measurable. It's a scientific question. It's not a philosophical question. I disagree. <laughs> Good. So shall we insist on a disagreement, Jason? <laughs> I think we've never come to a more uh, poignant point of disagreement. I, don't, I think that is a radical sneaking in of a philosophical viewpoint, which I call scientism, that reduces all things that are real to things that are measurable. And I just don't believe that exists. I just, I just don't believe that. Well, this, we've been here now for over two hours. This is, this is a conversation for another day. And I hope this is a conversation sure. for us in person with yes, you. Yes, with a beer. With you, <laughs> or in with my a, case, with a, with a ginger ale. <laughs> yeah, you with a ginger ale and me becoming gradually less and less coherent the more I drink. Yeah, right. <laughs> this was an amazing conversation. I feel like yeah, we a very it. pregnant ellipsis right there, but uh, we hit a lot of different points. We talked about the reviewers in the last episode. We talked about how do we talk and, you know, there's, there's a little bit of gaming in there, but we went way beyond it. And then I indulge a little bit of stuff and Ben, you did not disappoint. That was very articulate. It was very well thought out. And gotcha. I obviously am on a different page than that, but that does not mean that we can't be friends. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I hope it doesn't. Absolutely, Dis no, disagreement is... is much more fun than constant agreement in my life. <laughs> uh, ben Maddox, uh, before we go, uh, talk a little bit about your channel and what and what what what's there and what we can expect uh, coming up. So the podcast is where I interview people, uh, game designers. We we go far more than what sort of game are you selling this week? Yep. It's it's about lots of other stuff. Uh, the YouTube channel is nascent at the moment. I'm sort of trying to find out what it's actually going to be, which means I have to use, I need to learn to use the technology. And as I've said, I'm not a computery person, so I'm awful at it. But there are reviews on there. There are, I guess, visual essays where I talk about a topic and there will be other stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's search for five games for doomsday on YouTube and watch some of my videos. The early ones are really out of focus. <laughs> All right, Ben Maddox, uh, don't be a stranger. Take care. Thanks for joining us again for the one stop co-op shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at one stop co-op shop. Also join us for games and discussion on our discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. <laughs>